Marco on the normal radio. Free weed. Free weed. Oh, yo. Danny Danko come to show you how it grows. You're now tuned in to Free Weed from Danny Danko on normal radio. Presented by High Times Magazine. See me, I say, boom, bam. Big respect. See me, I say, Danny Danko. Hey, all right. Welcome, welcome to episode number 73 of High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. As always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the wonderful intro song. And uh, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for being patient. Uh, we got a great show for you guys. Uh, all kinds of grow information. A great uh, interview with Adam Dunn from TH Seeds and Hemp Hoodlam and a bunch of other things. Um, all our cultivation stuff and uh, some interesting announcements and all kinds of fun things. So uh, thanks for your patience. Welcome to 2015 and welcome. This is Free Weed, episode number 73. All right. So welcome to episode number 73 of Free Weed. Uh, I guess right off the bat, we should apologize for uh, how long it's been since the last one. Yeah, why not? Uh, we When we first started the show, we would close the show with apologies just for everything that we had screwed up or did wrong. Uh, so we're going to lead the show with apologies today. Dan, would you like to start? <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's been so long. Uh, last show in November. It's been kind of crazy since then. We had uh, Amsterdam Cannabis Cup and, uh, you know, the holidays and all of that. So uh, we apologize for that. And uh, we're hoping that things will be much more steady now here in 2015 so please stick with us um yeah and we'll get to all the hate mail and everything a little <laughs> later in the show uh during the q a yeah we we got a new sponsor that, that'll That's be interesting yeah. yeah but we should also while we're doing this apologize for amsterdam <laughs> a little bit i mean hey bit. we still pulled it off uh we had an event the police really did not want us having the uh, the expo itself, and so they basically shut that down on us. Um, that having nothing to do with permits or anything else, they just did not uh, want to allow it to occur. Um, we had the permits, we had everything we needed, but uh, the mayor and the justice minister and the police shut us down. Um, so we're really sorry about that. It turned into more of a, a coffee shop crawl. People got to get around a little more, I guess, because they weren't at the expo. And you know, we still had the awards, we still had the concerts. Um, you know, and it was a fun time. It was actually. You know, uh, nice, fun time in Amsterdam with some friends, and hopefully we can keep that whole situation going. Yeah, you definitely had a little more free time this uh, this time around over in Amsterdam, so hopefully you got to see some of the coffee shops and check out our seminars. You had a, an interesting one with Robert Connell Clark. Yeah, I had Robert Connell Clark on the seminar. Uh, we, we taped it for a show, but it, it really wouldn't work because he had uh, a lot of visual stuff that he was talking about. Uh, it would have been so and... annoying to listen to. You would have no idea <laughs> what he's referring to. But it was very interesting to. to attend, and you can actually search it out on YouTube. There's video of it uh, up there um, from our friend Andrew Pyra. And so, yeah, you can find it, and it's very illuminating, very interesting stuff from uh, a legend, Robert Connor Clark. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, the concerts were great. We had uh, Styles and Jada Kiss and um, Revolution and... and uh, um, Dirty Heads Dirty were there. Heads. Yeah. yeah, that was great. And, you know, fun Other times. People? Mila's 70th birthday party. A, lo- a lot of fun times were had. Um, and, you know, we apologize to the vendors who, who you know... Um, weren't able to show off their you know stuff at the expo and also to the attendees who who weren't you know who were over there to maybe check out some of the things at the expo and weren't weren't able to i hope you were able to um find what you were looking for elsewhere in the city of amsterdam 
uh, it's all there. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's November. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in between then, and but we're back. And we we're are excited back. about that. And if you want to get uh, sort of the somewhat disappointing taste of Amsterdam out of your mouth, uh, there is or there are several upcoming High Times events that you can attend. That's right. The SoCal Cup is uh, February 7th and 8th. That's like, she's um, only about a month away at this point. And uh, yeah, Ricky, Rick Ross, Ricky Rose is performing at that. So that's going to be interesting. I've got two grow seminars um, panels going on there as well, which we'll do as live free weed episodes. And, uh, you know, everything else that we do. And we will certainly have a very large expo there about double the size of last year. So should be exciting. Yes, so uh, if you're interested in attending that, uh, go to CannabisCup.com. All the information is there. And, and while you're there, you might as well go get tickets for the uh, U.S. Cannabis Cup in Denver on 420. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. We have some big announcements coming up about that as well. Uh, incredible artists booked uh, some very interesting uh VIP package deals and things like that. So um, we're very excited about that. That's going to be 420 weekend in Denver, Colorado, which is now the epicenter of the cannabis world, as far as I know. It does seem to be. Yeah. <laughs> Every CNBC uh, special I see on uh, television or whatever is basically about, you know, some, some something going on in Denver or Apparently, Colorado. Colorado and... discovered weed. <laughs> There's true. like this whole weed thing that, yeah. that no one else knows about. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Good job, Colorado. And uh, so those are the cups that are coming up. And uh, what else we got here? Do we apologize for everything that we need to apologize for? Uh, I think so. I mean... I don't think we need to apologize for it, but there's the February issue of High Times is out. <laughs> it's the Hydro issue, uh, typically uh, our February issue, mm -hmm. and uh, all about hydroponic growing. Do you remember, it was a few years back, but we wanted to dunk you in a huge tub of water for the, the preview video for the February <laughs> issue to yeah. talk about Hydro, like you were going to pop out. Of, of I mean, was it beer or was it water? We <laughs> wanted to submerge you in some sort of liquid. Anyway, so you did you write this hydro report? Uh, myself and our Canadian cannabis cor correspondent, Eric Bixa, who's a, also a hydro expert up there in uh, British Columbia, Canada. Longtime contributor. Yeah, yeah, totally. So we sort of co-wrote that. Um, and that's got some of the newer, you know, some new innovations as well. There's... there's uh, uh, article there about aquaponics of all things, which is uh, fish farms and 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 growing at the same time, uh, sort of coexisting, which is interesting. Uh, there's a great article in there by Elise McDonough, who we've had on the show, uh, co-worker here at High Times Magazine, about edibles and like the history of edibles. It's you know Brownie Mary and Alice B. Toklas and you know all that stuff about you know the the origins of where this whole edible industry came from. Uh, and that's also very interesting. The interview, I have to say, is Hannibal Burris, the comedian who I love, I think is hilarious uh, on Broad City and uh, great. You know, his stand up is pretty, f pretty funny as well. Uh, so, yeah. And he's the reason for the whole Bill Cosby thing. Did you know that? Like the whole resurgence of this? He like said. Something, oh, he, yeah. There was some. What was he said it? Something in his act about yeah. like. Stop telling us how to act, you rapist, or something like that. Oh, right, because Cosby had the whole pull up your pants right. kind of mantra. Right. And, Hannibal yeah. set that whole thing off, you hmm. know. So, um, shouts to him and like, yeah. And it's the High Times interview with Hannibal Burris. Uh, I mean, Hannibal Burris. <laughs> Hannibal Burris. Uh, Hannibal Burris. And uh, yeah, um, 
a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, even uh, coverage of our, our 40th anniversary party. Yes, which um, I think we've talked about in the past. It was a party. People What's were funny, there. It's called A Night We'll Never Forget. But I don't like, remember I a don't single remember. moment of that party. I, I heard it was good. It was. I, I f- was I even there? You were there. I was there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I need a T-shirt that says "Was I there?" I think that would be very appropriate. <laughs> but uh, you were there. You did several embarrassing things that I won't bring up here. <laughs> Other than that, you acquitted yourself well. So that's cool. uh, the February issue. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to um, Headshop dot hightimes.com and yeah. uh, get that as well as a best of 75 which is now on newsstands yeah it's a longer than usual open for us but we had a lot to say over the time that we've you know when you take a couple of months off and <laughs> that's right i feel like uh, like at least three times a year we we come on and we apologize for ourselves and and claim that we're <laughs> rededicating ourselves to the podcast but i really feel like this time we are rededicating <laughs> ourselves to the podcast yes. we yes. want it to work Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, hey, we're 73 in and uh, we, you know, as much as as you guys missed us, we missed you, too. And uh, we got your tweets and we got your Facebook messages. And, you know, that's also motivation for getting back out here and uh, getting some shows on. Yeah, we do respond to negativity. So thank you for that. (laughs) And we're going to we're going to delve into all of those uh, comments and questions and uh, and interactions a little later in the show, but yeah. first and let's talk about growing pot. I mean, that's yeah, what we should do that free weed. You know, let's let's get people let's get people growing the the AAA that connoisseur fire dank, you know, chronic pot trips. Pot. Right? Yeah, we're gonna definitely Stuff. talk about that. We got a strain of the Fortnite. We got you know the the cultivation tip. We got all the Q and A. But before we do any of that, we have an interview with a very interesting person. Tell us about it, Dan. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of people flocking to Colorado, uh, the interview is with Adam Dunn. We've had him on the show before. Uh, he is a founder of TH Seeds, uh, uh, Hemp Hoodlam, the Big Jackets. He works with... Uh, and, and just to clarify, he, he flocked to Colorado way before it was cool to flock to Colorado. Right. He established right. himself out there uh, leaving Amsterdam years ago. Yeah, a few years back. Yeah, exactly. And uh, But, you know, he's still got you know, hemp works and... and uh, hemp hoodlam and and all that stuff going on and you know he he's a jack of of all trades because particularly in this industry because he knows the hemp side of things uh from growing it to the uh, fabric and all that um and also you know fire breeding you know technologies and and you know they that's over 20 years uh with th seeds and you know he's a consultant on some of these bigger grows and things so we're going to talk to him about growing about his history and uh in the industry and uh you know what's coming up what's what's going on in the future what's going on in colorado right now he's also from the adam dunn show uh which is another is that a coincidence or (laughs) no he named he's not that baseball guy though it's his different adam dunn okay yeah yeah yeah. he was with the the reds and then yeah okay this is adam dunn with the big beard yeah more appropriate for free weed so yeah we got that coming up uh but first we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back with Adam Dunn. Hey, guys. Before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, BC Northern Lights. These guys have been with us forever, uh, so you've probably heard this before. But the important thing is they make incredible grow boxes, and they have all kinds of fully automated appliances that you can use for drying, for growing, um, for six plants, for four plants, uh, pretty much anything you want. There's the roommate, the bloom box, the producer, 
uh, a bunch of stuff. And if you're worried about smell, they have odor control uh, things that, you know, the charcoal filtration and all kinds of things that you get um, with this all built in. This isn't something you have to add to some cabinet that you picked up. This is built to grow. And uh, everything's automated, very simple, a lot of touchscreen technology, which is very easy to use. BC Northern Lights. Check out bcnorthernlights.com. Give them a call anytime, 888-236-1266. The deal we have with them is if you mention free weed uh, and you buy a grow box, that's important, you, uh, you get six months of free nutrients with your grow box. Um, so that's if you buy the grow box, okay? So they told me somebody called and said they wanted their six months of free nutrients and it doesn't work that way. You gotta buy the grow box, but hey, these things pay for themselves pretty quickly if you use them right. And if you have any sort of problem, you call these guys, they're, they're grow consultants. So they will consult with you over the phone in real time as needed. So check them out, BC Northern Lights, bcnorthernlights.com. Tell them free weed from Danny Danko sent you and grow today. All right, uh, we are back with Adam Dunn. Adam, welcome back to the show. Glad to be back. <laughs> awesome, awesome, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess um, give people a little bit of a rundown of uh, of uh, some of the things that you've accomplished. I mean, over twenty years with TH Seeds, um, and you know the hemp store in in, in Amsterdam and all of that. Um, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a long. It's a long wind. It'll be a long winded sentence, I guess. But uh, basically, I moved back here to Colorado five years ago from Amsterdam. Uh, I was there, what, 21, 22 years, I guess. And in those 22 years, you know, I, I helped uh, found uh, THC, seeds, uh, hemp hoodlum clothing line, uh, hemp works clothing store, um, all of which are still in operation, so I'm proud to, proud to say. Um, and, uh, you know, basically just kind of lived the American dream before America got wind of the idea that, hey, we can actually all do this and make money and everybody can be happy and there's not a big issue about it, you know? So I kind of just came back and now I'm in Colorado where they're, uh, they're going through their growing pains now as far as figuring out the legalization and, uh, you know, taking it one step further than Amsterdam ever did and uh, doing a pretty good job at it, I'd have to say. I'm pretty impressed so far. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it makes your move seem so prescient because you've been there um, and seen it change over. And now, you know, you you obviously know how Amsterdam went for us this year, um, cup-wise and everything, and the crackdowns that are going on over there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe you could comment a little bit about uh, what's going on back there, as much that you might know. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, for me, the writing was on the wall when I got back to uh, Amsterdam uh, in 2009. I came over to America just for a little visit go see family and decided to do a cross-country trip and hit up all the medical states we could and just see what was going down, you know. And when we got to Colorado, I really noticed that they had, um, you know, really the right demographics for it all. They had the right amount of people, the right amount of space. Everybody kind of had, you know, they weren't on top of each other. And uh, they also had just the right attitude, really, is what it came down to. And that's, I think that's what cannabis is just a good attitude, you know what I mean? You have a good attitude, you kind of deal with people and everybody gets along. Um, and so, see, 
you know, everybody always had the impression that Amsterdam was this mecca of, you know, policies that were just above and beyond the rest of the world. Well, it's true to a point, but at the same time, it never was legal. So there was no protection for growers. That was what always kind of bummed me out as a grower that I never had a, there was no, there was no safety net there, you know? So, so I just kind of watched the quality diminish of the cannabis over the years. And I watched the, the people who were getting involved, not really caring about their, their uh, end user. And then I saw in America, everybody here taking it like way more seriously and looking at it from a medical point of view and looking at patients. And then, you know, now as we see after, now that we let people have access to medicine, you really see some major stuff going down. And that's one of the, probably the most exciting things going on right now in the industry is the fact that we're helping out people who maybe would have suffered their entire lives with conditions and we're actually figuring out ways to treat them simply and safely. And and that's, the, that's to me, that's the key. And that's where Holland messed up. They just didn't see that medical value like America did. And they... Uh, just looked at it from a recreational slash tax point of view. That's pretty much the, uh, that was the problem, I think, with all of you know. Right, and that was always the thing that people would say. It's not really technically legal, it's just tolerated, you know. Sure, and then the fact that it's tolerated, but yet, um, you know, and taxed, and yet no way for you as a grower to protect your crop, to protect yourselves, and you're always under the gun, and you're always... I mean, it's literally worse there than it ever was in America because of this, the density of the population and the fact that it, you, there's nowhere to go, you know what I mean? Like, here at least you can always move on and go to another place or move out a little further on and leave, you know, leave people alone. They might leave you alone. Out there, there's nowhere to go. You know, everywhere you look, there's a house or a, or a building or something within distance, you know? So... From your position where you are now in Colorado, would you say that the genie's basically out of the bottle? I mean, is there any way they can uh, oh, yeah. put the toothpaste back oh, into yeah. the tube or anything, or is it over? Exactly. I love. I like the toothpaste analogy better than the genie because it's definitely like you just know it's going to work. You know what I mean? Genies, <laughs> and you can make up genie stuff. You know what I mean? But when it comes to toothpaste, we all know we can't get it back in. You know what I mean? And that's <laughs> that is really where we're at right now. It's like. Um, uh, the records kind of prove it. If you look at like over the last year of legalization here in Colorado, uh, you know, uh, uh, Nancy Grace or whatever kind of predicted that there was going to be massive uh, crime waves and all sorts of craziness going on. And sure enough, crimes go, crime, crime went down, drunk driving went down. Uh, the only thing that went up here is homelessness. And that's because obvious fact that if you're living in Oklahoma and you're homeless, you know that you can go to Colorado and somebody might throw you a nug instead of yell at you on the streets, you probably end up here, you know what I mean? So that's, <laughs> that's been the one unfortunate thing is there's been a riot and, you know, uh, underage kids coming here looking for some stuff, things like that. Just, you know, that's, that kind of is inevitable when it comes to anything like that. You open up doors, you know, in Europe, uh, how many people end up in Amsterdam, you know, from, from all of these other countries that... That's all. They're on a mission, and that's where they end up. So. Right, right, and and Spain is like Spain is a place where uh, TH Seeds has definitely uh, planted a flag, and um, you guys have have won a bunch of awards over there, and uh, been involved in a bunch of the things that are going on 
in Spain, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. Spain is definitely the, the new frontier, I'd say. Spain's got definitely taken it. Like, every single Dutch person I know is in Spain. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, every time I kind of check back, I'm like, so what's going on? Oh, they're in Spain, they're in Spain, they're in Spain. So really, I mean, the, the, I mean it's obvious if the, the weather's better, the food's better, the attitude's a little better, you know, and, and you get the added bonus of all these brand new um, clubs that are there, and, and there's hundreds of them in, in Barcelona, and they're much nicer than most of the t- coffee shops you see in Amsterdam because they're they're fresh and they're new and they're trying harder, you know. Wow, that's so I think, awesome. Uh, and you know, Spain's always had that like weather too. If you're in Barcelona, you go north to Barcelona about 45 minutes, it feels like you're you are in California. You know what I mean? Just like literally humble county of of Spain. Mm-hmm. So so they've always had the, the ability to grow great outdoor cannabis, which is one of those things that Holland never had the ability to do. So, you know, that's like, they can grow a greenhouse and they can get away with it, but but really when it comes to full sun growing, like, you know, Cali style, which, you know, in Colorado we can grow a full sun, but we do have a limited season, so we have to do everything with uh, blackout. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, luckily we have 300 days of sun a year, so as long as you can keep the temperatures, your root temperatures in check, you can pretty much grow year-round here. Um, with a little supplement lighting, of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> on, the, on the side. But uh, no, it's it's, uh, it's great to see that the whole world is sort of waking up. South America, uh, you know, Asia will probably be the last to be just because of the fact that they're a little, you know, they're not so into the, the culture itself. It seems, but but it seems like you know South America. Um, Northern Africa, I mean, Morocco's kind of always been open to the to the industry, but it's even getting to the point where big pharma is coming down to Morocco and starting to grow there and stuff. So there's, there's major changes on the horizon in this world, you know. Yeah, what's the story right now with hemp in Colorado? Is it le- legal legally harvested now? Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, right now, um, the whole part, the, the biggest, the challenge that we're going to have for for production of hemp in Colorado is going to feed acquisition of seed, you know, because right now the only seed grown here is less than a thousand pounds um, from Ryan Laughlin's farm. And I mean, he's pretty much 90% of that is going to be earmarked for him because the key to this thing now is to climatize drains. Um, I talked to Tony Budden yesterday from South Africa and he is on his eighth, uh, eighth year growing in this uh, one spot and with the same strains that they've been climatizing. And now after years, they really have uh, dialed them in, you know, and that's what's gonna take here. It's gonna take at least five to six years just to get our stuff to the point where it's uh, Colorado grown, Colorado seeds, you know, which makes a huge difference. Um, when you bring a strain in from, from like uh, Finland, for instance, which is very high uh, latitude, bring it here to Colorado, it might not ever finish off, you know? and. Uh, we don't want people to lose lose money on their first couple of years of growing this stuff because it's going to be, you know, uh, it's going to the first few years there definitely will be some winners and losers, you know, when it comes to uh, agriculture. Just can't help it. Right. And uh, I think that this, even about another three to five years, and we'll have our our, our own sort of thing rolling here. It's going to come down to production too. That's the biggest problem right now. Is that. Uh, you can grow the hemp, it's just what you're going to do with it, you know? And that's where the... So right now, it's almost like you're going to grow for the experience of growing and to produce the seeds to 
putting the ground next year. That's the key right now for pretty much everybody. Well, I know uh, people know you for seed, seeds, but uh, um, I know you've also, you're also no stranger to cloning, and I wanted to see if maybe you had some cloning tips you might want to share uh, with our listeners at all. Any uh, anything people should think uh, about when they're taking? I'm making clones right now as we speak. Which is funny. <laughs> uh, so, uh, well, you know, I mean, right now I'm, I'm I'm cloning. Now I'm taking clones off of my next batch that are going into into the uh, veg, and I mean that's one thing I can give you guys as a example of. I mean, for instance, a lot of people out there growing OGs or strains that have a slow. Uh, veg time or slow growth. And that's one of the hard, hardest parts of taking cuts is that you're trying to take as many even cuts as possible. You know, you're not trying to take like a hundred cuts off of a plant that are all different sizes and different shapes. And trying to, You're really trying to get continuity in it. So what I like to do uh, is when I'm, for instance, if I'm going to take, uh, say if I have two mother plants and I have, say, six flowering plants, uh, when those flowering plants are in veg in those first few weeks of veg, I would take cuts off of those. I put them into basically. I would have them ready, put them into the pot, take cuts off of them on the very first day, veg them for the next two weeks, and then they'd go back. Then they would be, you know, everything is fine at that point. They'll fully the flower. Um, the key to that is that for instance, those six plants, if they each of them produce, let's say, four clones each or six clones each, those will be very even clones super vigorous because they're coming off of a, a, a very healthy, hopefully, <laughs> a very healthy, hopefully healthy, uh, veging plant. And you're just going to set your plants up better. The ones that you're putting into transplant, you set them up better anyway. But trimming them back. Um, so what I like to do is like kind of over veg in a way. A lot, a lot of people, you know, they, they, they make cuts and then they only have, like say they have 20 cuts and they have 20 places. They have all 20 plants and I'd rather have 30 cuts and put in the best you know, and that's one of the things about uh, cuts in general is that you're, you're always trying to take the most vigorous, healthiest cut possible. The minute you sort of uh, say, well, I need more and I want to take a few more, that's usually when the quality goes down. And then the problem is, is if you take a cut off of that one, for instance, uh, and use that as a next uh, generation, then you're probably going to you know, hurt yourself a little bit. And it only takes... You know, everything is about, in growing, everything is about, uh, you start at 100% and you work your way back, you know. Uh, people always think they're, they're doing so great and they're making their plants better, but really you're usually just doing more harm, you know what I mean? And that's the key is what I try to tell people. If these plants grew in the wild, um, they would, you know, figure everything out themselves, figure their nutrition, figure out their, their what they need conditions-wise. When we put our two cents in there is usually... Human error is the number one problem with cannabis growing in general. So I would always let people, uh, I tell everybody, just take way more cuts than you ever think you're going to need. Select the best ones out of those. Uh, toss the rest. And also, for instance, on those slow-growing ones, it's very hard to keep a mom around. It's good to have a mom around for the genetics, but it's a good idea to take your cuts off of the, the starts that you've already done. Is that good? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I got to tell you, I'm a big fan of the Adam Dunn show, and I know you you guys have made some uh, some huge changes recently. So I wanted to uh, let you basically let people know. I, I guess sure. you guys are doing three hours, sure. three hours every Wednesday. Yeah, we've 
we've uh, we've we've upgraded our times. We've upgraded our quality of our streaming, and we are hopefully going to upgrade, you know, all the content involved in, in, along the year because we're we're taking it we're taking it to the next level. I would say on the Adam Dunn show, um, and I'd have to say right now that. Quite honestly, it could be called the Mitch Shinasa Show because Mitch has really done more for the show than, than anybody could because he's uh, he's got the journalistic skills and he's got the capability to, to get get the right people involved. Mm-hmm. And we have basically added more people to the show. We're adding more time, more content. It's going to be a three-hour show. And it's no longer on CannabisRadio.com. It's going to be on... AdamDunnShow.com uh, direct, so we'll be streaming from there every Wednesday from 12 to 3 Central Time, and then we'll be on Vimeo for for all the archives. So you go to Adam Dunn Show on Vimeo and find our archives. Still have stuff up on YouTube, but those are going to be broken down into smaller increments so people can just kind of get a taste of them. And uh, we're also going to be going out to the San Bernardino Cup uh, in February and being there live, uh, basically interviewing people, running around. We're also going to have uh, uh, sort of VIP private parties <laughs> going down uh, with a bunch of the guests from the show and uh, hopefully a bunch of listeners are going to be there too. And uh, yeah, we're just basically trying to step our game up a little bit. Uh, there's so much to report and there's so much to... You know, that's the one great thing about cannabis in general is that you know because I'm into hemp and I'm into cannabis and they're all they're all intertwined. They it seems to be an endless supply of information and you know as we move ahead in the sort of cannabis fight around the world, it seems like you know we just win. Like it's it's awesome right now. We're just winning, winning, winning every time. And when we do, it's kind of for everybody. So that's what the show is really hopefully going to do is just report all these wins every time and keep bringing people all the information that they need. Uh, especially when it comes to, like we were saying before, about the families, uh, trying to you know trying to connect the families that need CBD mm-hmm. and THC medicine, for especially the ones that came from out of state that really don't have uh, access to. So we're, we're focusing a lot on that on the show, too. So, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been a really good year. We've, we're literally on our one year, and I guess it'd be two months now. So it's... Yeah. Yeah, and you guys are solving mysteries on there. I mean, like like you said, it's it's a it's a great feeling when you can see people that come out of the underground and can actually like uh, you know, enlighten us as to where certain strains came from or enlighten us as to uh, you know, a more sort of living organic way of growing and and all of the things. So, you know, it's a great thing you guys are doing. It's like uh, mythbusters for for weed. <laughs> yeah, we're, we've we've kind of we've we've delved into OG, we've delved into sour D's. This year coming up, we're really gonna we're gonna figure out the the Hawaiian strains. We want to figure out the, the Alaskan strains. We're just gonna kind of delve into it. Not so much strain hunting as much as strain busting. You know, that's kind of our, our angle. <laughs> nice, awesome. Well, uh, speaking of strains, uh, Dark Star's been uh, winning some awards left and right over in Europe, right? And that's uh, one of the more new strains. Uh, from TH Seeds. Yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's, Dark Star proved to be really well, really well outdoors uh, here in Colorado. We had people down south getting five-pound plants, which, you know, in California is not a big deal, but out here it is. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I knew back in the day when we first uh, were working with it in Amsterdam that it was special, um, but I really didn't get a chance to do it until I got to bring it out here because of the fact that I was always indoors there. and It, it was a real space hog. It always takes up a lot of space. 
so it's it's great to put it outdoors. You really see, like, kind of has an ancient vibe to it almost. The really long petioles on the stems. I know they're like six and a half inches long sometimes. So, so that they the plant really just stands like straight out in every direction. So if you can, you know, and that's and that's awesome when you're growing outdoors because you're not paying for that power, you know. <laughs> so you can just let those things get as big as they can get. Right. So we had twelve twelve foot plants, uh, twelve feet around. You know, like takes four people to put their arms around it or something so pretty awesome <laughs> nice yeah and uh i know it's been cold out there we've had the coldest day of the year out here just to let you know the uh the hemp hood lambs have been really working hard in the streets here in new york uh keeping us warm and i don't know of a, yeah. i don't know of a warmer coat you know what i mean that's like vegan friendly with fake fur and and hemp and sure hidden pockets and all that well i mean with the with the with the hoodlum it's, it's it's one of those great things of like you know i never really thought when i was uh say when i was you know growing up or whatever <clears throat> cannabis i kind of would have thought that could i could have seen that being in my future when it came to like <laughs> being a clothing guy i never thought that that was going to be part of the deal um and really the reason that we got involved was for the fact that we tried to sell everyone else's clothes and figured out after a while, like, hey, you know, we can do better. And uh, so we put our minds to it, uh, put up some good designs, and, and the one that really stuck well was the Hoodlum jacket, which then we ended up starting the company Hoodlam based on that one jacket alone. And now it's, uh, I think we have, five, we have five models right now, um, plus there's about 15 other items on the, on the, in the catalog. You can get those all online. Uh, we have an online store, which is uh, shop.hoodlab, or sorry, shop.hoodlabstore, H-O-O-D-L-A-B store.com. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been, you know, it's pretty awesome to be able to keep people warm and keep people really high. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, two good things in life, warm and high, you know, comfortable. I got you comfortable all the way around, internally, externally. You know, and that's and that's been one of those things. It's like uh, you never know how great it is to have your own clothing line until you really realize, like, hey, you know what? I don't spend any time shopping for clothes. <laughs> this is like huge. Nice. All right. Well, hey, what is it about Rhode Island anyway? Like, there's so many marijuana entrepreneurs and people that are in the business that all came from this tiny little state. Uh, is there anything? Yeah, I'm a funny place. I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, I'm an original New Yorker. So when I moved to Col- when I moved to to Rhode Island, I was an out of town. When I moved to Colorado, I was from out of town. So I'm always a guy from out of town. It seems. But in in Rhode Island, I grew up there as a kid a bit. Went to went to high school there, and Rhode Island's always been a real smuggling town. It's not really been a growing town, you know. Whereas California's a growing a growers town. Rhode Island's always been a smuggler's place. And, Growing up there, I always remember there was just different kinds of cannabis, different kinds of hash around, things you probably wouldn't see in the city or see somewhere else because it all came by boat back in the day. So it was all coming through Block Island and, and, and places like that. So they always had lots of Thai weed and lots of imported weed and lots of, you know, in, very Jamaican, Thai, all those kind of things. Um, so, so I think the... The older generation always had access to pretty good cannabis without you know, maybe everybody knowing it, <laughs> and uh, and now the new generation have an ability to get involved in the industry. And I mean, if I was if I was 18 years old right now or 20 years old, and, and I had an, an option of what to do with my life, I'm pretty sure cannabis would be super high up on that list. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. who else wouldn't want that? Yeah. Well, that's great. And uh, 
Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Thanks for all your hard work. Uh, and, you know, I have you on a panel uh, in a live free weed episode that we'll be taping in uh, Southern California yep. at the Cup, February yep. 7th, 7th and 8th. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, so anybody that's going to be, anybody listening to the show, if you're going to be on San Bernardino, take a look for us. We'll, we'll be there cruising around. And, uh, love to meet up with any of our, of our fans and... Uh, yeah, any, answer any questions you guys might have. Right on. Well, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, uh, I encourage people to check out the Adam Dunn Show um, every Wednesday, and also, of course, archived on Vimeo. Um, next, we'll be back uh, with our cultivation segment. Hey, you guys, I'm going to get back to the podcast in a second, but I wanted to introduce you to a new sponsor. Haze Technologies. These guys make the Haze Vaporizer. This is the first revolutionary vaporizer with a dual bowl, which uh, allows you to vaporize herbs, waxy concentrates, and oils interchangeably. Uh, Every Haze Vaporizer includes a stainless steel or glass mouthpiece to prevent any interference with vapor taste, and is crafted with advanced heating technology for rapid heat up time. Now, they also have a special going on. uh, If you're a free weed listener, Okay, and you want 15% off, you go to Vaporizer USA, that's V-A-P-O-R-I-Z-E-R-U-S-A dot net, uh, Vaporizer USA dot net, and you put in coupon code HAZEME15, all capitals, HAZEME15, you get 15% off of one haze unit purchase. Uh, so, yeah, and that's a exclusive special for you guys for high times presents free weed from Danny Danko listeners. So go to vaporizerusa.net, use coupon code hazeme15 for 15% off. All right, so uh strain of the fortnight, right? Yes, it has been many a fortnight, so uh, let's have a good strain. Awesome. Yeah, I went uh, back for an oldie but a goodie. Um, This one for this uh, segment is going to be the Neville's Haze. Uh, A very, uh, this harkens back to, you know, the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It won uh, first place in the Cannabis Cup in the seed category in 1998. Um, Basically, it was developed by a pioneering breeder, Neville Schoenmakers, who was the uh, the founder of the Seed Bank of Holland, which was really the first marijuana seed company to advertise in high times back in the 80s. Um, he went on to create some of the best-known strains to this day, um, such as Silver Pearl, uh, NL5 t- times Haze, and some others. But his greatest feat uh, turned out to be his namesake, the Neville's Haze. Now, it's spelled two different ways. Sometimes it's N-E-V-I-L. Sometimes there's uh, two L's and an E at the end, but I believe... It's just the N-E-V-I-L is the accurate one. Um, It's an almost pure sativa. It's got a very long flowering time, uh, between about 14 to 16 weeks flowering. Um, It's got like Thai, Colombian, Indian, Mexican, all the, a a mishmash of genetics, but all very sativa dominant. Um, Actually, technically, it is uh, Colombian crossed with Northern Lights number five, uh, crossed that crossed with Thai. So Thai times Colombian crossed with Northern Lights number five. And uh, yeah, it's available at greenhouseseeds.nl or mrnice.nl. Both both companies have a version of Neville's Haze. Um, it's a classic haze, uh, originally bred by the Haze Brothers uh, of Northern California and then just sort of back crossed a little by Neville. Um, 
It's a classic haze, like I said. It provides a very pleasant, uh, piney-flavored punch. Uh, uh, very good for energetic daytime activities. Uh, very inspiring kind of spiritual high that you get from it. Uh, very, very enjoyable. Uh, as far as growing it, it's going to take uh, some serious time and some serious care because it's so, such a long flowering plant. Um, flowers won't even usually appear uh, until almost a month into the flowering cycle with this strain. So, um, the, And the plant during that whole time will continue to stretch, um, developing a lot of lumber in between each node. So, uh, you know, it's not the easiest plant to grow, and it's kind of finicky. Um, the small nuggets that you're going to get do fill out, and they turn white with crystals towards the end of flowering. Um, outdoors, the branches will actually stick out at 90-degree angles from the main stem, um, which is good because they'll find the light in, in full sun. They'll, they'll go and find light for themselves and actually fill out a lot more outdoors than you would see them do inside. Um, but like I said, if you're a true sativa lover, uh, Neville's Haze is well worth the wait. It's really like that pure sativa people talk about from the old days, and... Uh, pretty amazing stuff if you can get your hands on some neville's haze whether uh, it's to smoke or to grow uh you know it's pretty rarefied so enjoy and like i said take your time uh don't overfeed don't overwater um this is a very finicky plant but uh you get what you pay for and you get what you uh put in and try the neville's haze out sometime soon all right an oldie but a goodie there thank you for that information and you know, free weed, aside from our, you know, charming personalities and witty insights, uh, it's really about growing pot. And uh, since we've been off the air for a little while, uh, let's go with a solid cultivation topic. What, what do you got for us this week? I want to talk about supplementing with carbon dioxide, and uh, that, that's CO2 gas, carbon dioxide. Um, this is the gas that plants use to convert light into energy for new growth. Um, so it is important to have CO2 in a grow room. Very, very, very important. Uh, in an enclosed grow room full of plants that are growing, CO2 levels will diminish very quickly unless it, they're replenished quite often. Uh, and fresh air tends to be around, let's say, 300 or so uh, parts per million, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. Uh, but plants can actually handle up to like 1,500 parts per million and respond accordingly by growing bigger. Um, so your growth rates can be greatly enhanced by adding CO2 gas to your growing environment, uh, and that can make for bigger yields. Now, here's the thing about that, though, uh, and this might be a little bit controversial, but bigger yields does not make better buds, in my opinion. And so while you can bulk up by uh, using a lot of CO2, it's really not something I recommend if you're just growing for yourself or if you're trying to win a cannabis cup or something like that because it doesn't actually increase uh, resin production. It's really just increasing plant, you know, plant matter. And, you know, that having been said, if you have an enclosed grow room or if you're growing in some big, huge warehouse, you, do, you have to supplement with CO2 because the plants are going to use up the available air very quickly. But uh, in my opinion, if you have decent air circulation going through and it's a small personal grow... You really don't need CO2 supplementation. Um, and if you do, you can probably get one of those uh, buckets or the mushroom bags. CO2 Boost makes a great bucket um, that lasts a full flowering cycle. And it just kind of naturally creates CO2 through, uh, you know, the mushroom growing process. And then, you know, you can toss that mushroom stuff right into your compost and reuse the buckets. And it's all very sustainable. And, um, you know, if you have a larger space, if you have a big... Uh, warehouse, if you have you know four or more 
1,000 uh, watt lights and that type of thing, you're probably going to want to go with a bigger CO2 generator or a tank and regulator. Um, tank and regulators are pretty cumbersome and pricey, but very effective. Uh, you can get a generator, but uh, and, and they do create a constant supply of CO2, but they also add heat. And both of those things are pretty cost prohibitive. So um, I really tend to recommend the, the mushroom kits for you know smaller CO2 um, adjustments. Uh, CO2 boost is one. Uh, TNB Naturals has something called the Enhancer. They both work great for closets, uh, grow tents, uh, or even grow boxes. Like if you have the BCNL grow box and you don't have the CO2 uh, tank attachment uh, with the regulator, you can just uh, pop one of those little CO2 boost buckets in there and you will see a greater yield. Um, again, to me, I think, you know, CO2 levels at 1,500 parts per million is a bit of overkill. And if you've ever had a strawberry that was really big uh, and just kind of tasteless, that's what we're talking about here. You, you get a big yield, but you're kind of uh, you're kind of diluting the essential oils a bit by having more of that uh, green matter. So if yields are what's important to you, and you're really trying to like bank on uh, on marijuana, then you know maybe you know crank up the CO2. But if you're really just looking for medicine or some kind of a connoisseur type product. Uh, you really don't need to go to 1,500 parts per million, in my in my opinion. And you know, there's also kind of some other alternatives to the mushroom things. If you want to brew beer in the, in your room, um, sometimes people will just add those type of ingredients without even necessarily like when you're trying to actually brew beer, you're going to drink. Uh, you want to have everything super sterile. But if you're just trying to create CO2, you can just throw the ingredients in there, and you'll see them bubbling up. Um, sometimes I've even seen rabbit cages being used, like, uh, you know, with live rabbits underneath, uh, you know, in the grow space, basically just constantly breathing and reproducing and creating CO2 themselves. Uh, as long as the rabbits are treated well and, 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 you know, that sort of thing, then, you know, that's uh, okay. But I wouldn't really advise having live furry animals that close to your plants all day. But uh, I have to admit, I found it kind of interesting when I saw it that people were using rabbits to create CO2 for their garden. Um, yeah, I mean, there you have it. I know it's a bit controversial because a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they want more CO2. They want bigger yields. But, you know, like I said, in my opinion, if there's enough circulation of fresh, you know, air, then you're replenishing the CO2 in the room. That's plenty. And if you're really bulking them up with 1,500 or 2,000 parts per million of CO2, you know, you're going to get bigger buds, but I don't think you're going to get better buds. So there you have it. That's uh, my little rant about carbon dioxide supplementation in grows. And, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. If it's a small grow, uh, it's not going to use the CO2 up like crazy. But if you have a ton of plants in a room with lots of light, they are going to use it up quickly. So act accordingly. And the best thing you can do for yourself is get a CO2 meter so you can just know what the levels are at all times in your room, and then you can act accordingly whether you feel like you want to add uh, carbon dioxide or not. All right. Very good. So uh, Danko goes on a bit of a rant there about <laughs> CO2, but again, um, it really, with a grain like of salt. I said, it really just depends on, on, on your motive. You know, yeah. uh, if you really want weight, you know, then CO2 is great. But if you're looking for quality... Um, you know, circulate the air and just make sure there's enough CO2 and you'll be fine. Yes. And um, as Danko has said many times throughout his life, bigger doesn't necessarily mean better. Okay. So uh, <laughs> let's move on 
to my favorite part of the show, uh, questions from you, the listener, answered by Danny Danko. Um, I guess maybe to start, we'll just get the obvious out of the way. Uh, we felt missed during our hiatus. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I got a ton of emails, a ton of uh, tweets, uh, some messages on the Facebook page for uh, Free Weed, uh, all of that. So you you were heard, and uh, you know we're here to apologize and bring you more Free Weed in order to hopefully – uh, soothe the pain of missing us. <laughs> yes, sorry about that. Uh, here's a couple. The Pot Father, where are you all at? James T., uh, just wondering, is free weed done with? I like this one. Andrew James, uh, y'all be slack. Adam Dunshow takeover. Sorry, free weed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's harsh. That's, <laughs> cuts deep. <laughs> That's pretty harsh. And then, you know, there's a bunch, but we'll just skip to what is my absolute favorite of all of these. Um, What's up with Free Weed? No new episodes since Halloween? A lot of tension between you two on 72. Let us know. <laughs> wow. I, I have to re-listen to that. Was there, were we like weird? I don't know. Did I'd have get to awkward? go back and, I'd have to go back and check that out. But you know, there's always a little tension, isn't there? Yeah, there is. But I mean, <laughs> this guy, he felt it like it was palpable. Like wow. you could cut it with a knife. So Usually we're pretty good at hiding. We hide, well, yeah, and it's sort of just below the down. surface all the time. Like, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's do the rest of the show uh, awkwardly tense. What do you say? <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Do we, we yeah. have any actual questions or was it all just complaints about not putting up a show? It was like 80-20. You know, I listen to the Champs podcast and they do the same sort of thing and it frustrates the hell out of me. What do you mean the same thing? They'll go a month without putting up a show. What and it's like I'm checking my iTunes Ugh. and I'm like constantly, you know, like just waiting for a new show and it really like it's you know. the worst it's like you you give some something uh, you you build an audience and then you piss them off it's like, i don't know what's <laughs> yeah, wrong it's with the those. same thing with them it's like they have other things they're doing they're comedians they're traveling there there's so much else going on that i think they just you know i can see it from both sides now is what i'm trying to say as a podcast listener i understand the frustration and as a podcaster i understand that sometimes there's just too much going on to put together an hour-long show but well, let, let me Especially say Especially because it's a free show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, free and in the title. above and beyond, uh, you know, all the other stuff we have to do, including putting stuff up on our website and putting stuff in the magazine and going to all these cannabis cups. And, you know, that's really what uh, our job is. So. Yeah, that is. Uh, let, me, <laughs> let me say this. If podcasting were our job, uh, we would love to. We would be doing this every day. Absolutely. We love doing oh, it. I love it. Um, I love it. It's my, one of my favorite parts of, uh, of the whole gig. But all of that being said, all the apologies and excuses out of the way, we, we really are going to, to do our best to bring you consistent and uh, top quality free weed from this point forward. But don't hold us to that statement. Let's move on uh, to some actual grow questions. What do you say? Let's do it. Great. Okay. Uh, first up is Salsa Verde, uh, not a first-time writer. Uh, dear Danny, dear Danny Danko and Mike Hughes underscore, it's been many a fortnight <laughs> since I last wrote. I am aware of the outdoor growing technique where the plant is lollipopped and trained to grow tall and veg and then planted neck deep when moved outside, which allows for very large root zones to form off the buried stalk and the plant in addition to the pre-existing root zone. So would the shorter 8 to 10 week flowering time in an indoor garden be enough for this method to be effective? What do you think? Uh, yeah. Yes, it would. I mean, um, to a certain extent. I mean, it's really, in that case, it's about the vegging times, not so much as the flowering, because the flowering time is the same uh, indoors and out for the most part. You know, if you have eight to ten weeks inside, it's going to be about eight to ten weeks outside. But 
um, it's the veg time that's going to have to extend because uh, when you grow the plant out and you veg it out and then you lollipop it and you put it in deeper, uh, you know, cut off some of those lower branches and, and drop it in deeper. One thing you need to remember is don't water it right in at, when you do that because um, you don't want that stem that you, you, you placed under the soil to rot, you know, which is something that could happen when it gets really wet. Um, you want it to sort of acclimate to being underground and in soil. So, you know, water from below, uh, do what you need to do to keep water, uh, you know, wet soil from basically like damping, dampening that stem right after you put it down in there. Um, other than that, if you do that right, you will get the roots popping out of there. You will get a much larger root ball. Um, as far as, you know, indoors, you basically just need to uh, veg the plant out, then cut off some of those lower branches, and then when you replant the plant into your larger container, um, you know, you leave that space in there and you backfill up to where your first branches begin. And like I said, don't water, don't keep that whole top layer too moist or you will, you, you'll see some rotting on that stem and that could be really fatal to the plant. Um, but, you know, once you've seen that the plant has sort of acclimated to being, being in the way that it is, you can then start watering it in and, and the roots will start taking that right in. And the stem will, like you said, pop roots right out of the stem where you cut off the branches and you'll have great growth. It's not something I really normally recommend people to do because, uh, you know, just the shock of the transplantation and then the plant has to recover for a week or two. Um, but like I said, it would work indoors. It's much more effective as an outdoor growing technique uh, to keep your plants nice and short and to give, gain a larger root mass. All right, cool. Thank you, Salsa Verde, longtime and loyal Freeweed listener. We appreciate that. Let's move on to Josh. Uh, hello, Danny and Mike. I hope you guys are having a nice holiday season so far. <laughs> I was back from December 9th. Um, while I'm being held in suspense for episode 73 with all the other free weed listeners, I'd like to know more about growing and caring for mother plants. For example, I grow with hydro, but I'm wondering if growing my mothers in soil would make more sense. Also, what kind of nutrients and feeding schedules should I be using? Uh, type of lighting, etc., etc. What do you think? Uh, mother plant suggestions. All right. Um, mother plants. Well, uh, the reason people have mother plants is because, you know, you want to have successful gardening from clones. Uh, that means that the, the plants will stay the same size, your canopy level will be at the same level, and it's just a, a much more efficient way to go than from seeds, which can be all over the place. Um, I personally recommend that mother plants be grown in soil or some type of a soilless mix rather than hydroponically for most people because soil is more forgiving. Uh, plants have a better chance of long-term survival and stability. Um, and because soil is more forgiving, if there is a problem, uh, you can solve it. If, if there's a problem in hydro and you lose your mother plant, you're done. Although, you know, over the years, obviously, I have had mother plants uh, growing in hydro buckets. And if you do go with that system, I would re highly recommend a deep water culture type of system where the roots are dangling in very well oxygenated water with, uh, you know, nutrient solution. And with that solution, also misting those roots as well. So very oxygenated and uh, a lot of room and space for each individual plant's roots. Um, you wouldn't want to grow mother plants in some kind of a, you know, 
ebb and flow type system or anything like that. I think each in their own individual buckets, it's easier to manage and you can grow bigger moms if you're going to go hydro, which is not my recommendation for most people. Uh, also, con- container size is important in soil. I don't recommend anything smaller than a five-gallon bucket for, for your mother plants. Um, you just need a lot of, you know, you don't want root-bound moms because they're just not going to give you uh, the healthy cuttings that you need. And healthy cuttings are the key to success when you're growing from clone. Uh, the plant's going to be around for a long period of time. The roots need plenty of space to spread out. Um, and you don't want root-bound moms. Um, so if they do become root-bound, just transplant into a bigger container. Go from 5 to 10 gallons. Go from 10 to 35, whatever you need to do. Uh, as for nutrients, you want to stay on the lighter side. Uh, water with plain water uh, pretty frequently to avoid salt buildup unless you notice some kind of a deficiency like yellowing of the leaves. If you see that, you know, amp up the newts a little bit accordingly. Um, you know, all you want is a nice light light version of uh soilless mix that you can get like a pro mix with lots of uh perlite in it and that sort of thing as for lighting for mother plants it really depends on how frequently you plan on taking cuttings and how many cuttings um if it's infrequent you can keep your moms under fluorescent tubes or compact fluorescent lighting and you'll get plenty of clones from that but if you have if you need faster growing mother plants that are going to produce lots of healthy cuttings um I would go with a 400-watt metal halide lighting system. That's going to ensure vigorous and healthy mother plant growth, and those plants will be capable of giving you lots of, of, of good cuttings as often as you might need them. So I hope that helps you out. Uh, the key to mother plants is just keep them in the vegging, uh, vegetative stage. Don't flower them. Uh, don't do anything to stress them out, and you should be able to have them for years and years. All right, very good. Thank you, Josh. There's just some... Um mother plant caring tips let's move on to our old buddy cuban b yes cuban b uh sup fellas first I love that. it's a reference to uh the uh half baked yeah, yeah right anyway. cuban b yeah yes cuban b sup fellas first time grow love the show my question is about the type of water to use for my grow i have pretty hard water her words <laughs> uh, <laughs> and as such uh, have been using reverse osmosis water however I've noticed that the pH really spikes up and down when adding pH adjusting solution compared to my tap water, especially when I'm making clean pHed water with no nutrients. I've also read online that lack of micronutrients in RO water is bad for your plants and could require additional supplementation. So, what kind of water would you recommend I use? Okay, um... I would recommend you stick with your RO water. Just know that when you use reverse osmosis, you're basically starting at zero. You're, you're taking as much uh, of everything out of that water as you can, beneficial and harmful. So um, cons- con- you know, consider it a blank slate. And like you said, any kind of pH adjustments that you make are going to be more severe. Um, any newts that you add are going to be the only newts that you get. So... In addition to the NPK that you get, the major nutrients, the nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus that you get um, from your nutrients that you add to that RO water, you're going to also have to find, uh, you know, some kind of supplements that are going to give you the micronutrients that you need, like uh, calcium and magnesium. Uh, CalMag is something you definitely are going to need because you're going to see deficiencies um, in calcium and magnesium if you don't add that. And then there's all those little micronutrients that you're going to need as well. Uh, so if you're using reverse osmosis water, just 
treat it as a completely blank canvas upon which you're painting all the food that your plants get. And, you know, the beneficial part is that you're not getting all that stuff that you've removed by using that reverse osmosis um, process. So, um, you know, and just tread lightly with the pH up and the pH down. Always do your pH adjustments after you've added your nutrients because nutrients, of course, can be acidic or uh, base. So, uh, yeah, stick with the st- stick with the ver- reverse osmosis and, you know, paint your masterpiece uh, from a blank canvas and you should be fine. It's poetic, man. It's like Wordsworth over here. I love it. All right. It's Oh, right. Um, Cuban B continues. He's got actually a pretty good uh, strain name suggestion. Uh, Freeweed listeners might recall that we were asking for some uh, suggestions for a strain name for Danny Danko. We don't actually have a strain, but theoretically if we did. And uh, Cuban B wrote the Dank Bunny, as in Frank the Bunny from Donnie Darko. Now, people may not know about you that one of the influences of Danny Danko actually comes from Donnie Darko. Right. Right, absolutely, so, and uh, so yeah, that's yeah. Obviously, Danny Danko, Donnie Darko. Uh, there's a connection there, and you know, of course, Rick Danko from the band is another influence on that, um, and of course, the dank, <laughs> you know, the dank yeah. weed. But uh, yeah, Dank Bunny. That's a that's a good one. That's funny, it's and that movie is always kind of like uh, scarring my brain. <laughs> solid film and uh, thank you for that suggestion and one last thing about our friend Cuban B uh, he wrote back on December 3rd on Twitter uh, I set up this Twitter account just so I could ask when the next episode of Free Weed will be up so thank you for that uh, <laughs> uh, my favorite part is uh, first time grow love the show yeah we really like this email apparently I like first time grow love the show it's like uh, first time caller long time listener yeah, first time lo- long time first time long time first time yeah. long time listener first time caller they do that on uh, what Mike and the Mad Dog and yeah. That stuff. So, right. yeah I like it we're, t- we're like uh, sports guys now yeah except have you listened to Chris Russo he is the most annoying person <laughs> to listen to just screaming and slurring he's the mad dog right yeah, he's the mad dog yeah well there you go he calls himself the mad dog what do you expect that was your first clue yeah <laughs> All right, so thanks, Cuban B. Let's move on to Adam. Uh, Hey, Dan and Mike, first off, love the show. Both of you have inspired me to start my first garden growing strawberry cough, one of your favorite strains. Sweet. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. Okay, so as far as my question goes, um, I was reading that UVB lighting during flowering can increase potency, and then reptile lamps have fair levels of UVB light for their size. Would this be a feasible measure of gaining some UVB lighting? I'm growing in a 2 by 4 tent with a 250-watt HID lights. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know enough about UVB uh, as far as potency levels go and that sort of thing. Um, I'm a little bit skeptical of, you know, throwing in uh, reptile lamps into mm-hmm. a grow. But, yeah. hey, feel free to experiment and try it out. I, I really um, – I don't know. I think, uh, you know, with your HID lighting, you're providing – plenty of light in the proper spectrum and i don't know that adding uvb is going to increase potency or or resin production or anything like that but again i haven't tried it myself and i don't really 100 percent know so um why don't you try it you know you can throw that in there it's not gonna it's not gonna cost you any extra a lot extra obviously in uh, electricity or anything like that it's gonna bring up the heat level obviously because reptile lamps are warm they're meant to keep reptiles warm uh because they're cold-blooded creatures so uh if it's not gonna 
you know, crush you heat wise, then try it out and see what you think. Uh, I'd love to see the experiment done side by side with the same strain uh, of strawberry cough or anything else and just see um, if there was some sort of added effect from that. But um, I personally don't know. I know Ed Rosenthal's book mentions UVB as a possible uh, booster for that. But um, again, uh, try it out and see what happens. All right. Well, thank you, Adam. And, you know, <laughs> it's not a great answer. And but... it's not. But honestly, I think part of becoming a, a really good grower is experimenting and finding what works for you. It's not necessarily following a recipe. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's there's there, there's, you know, infinite ways to grow marijuana. Uh, and there's, you know, obviously there's a tried and true, but there's all kinds of innovations happening all the time. So try it and let us know how it turns out. Absolutely. All right. So uh, keep us posted on that, Adam. Let's move on to um, Axe. Just ax. Dan and Mike, about six weeks into flowering, I noticed mold forming on the top of my soil and around the drainage holes of the pot. Visual inspection of the buds shows no signs of mold. There are also several plants only three weeks in with just nascent formations of hairs and buds. The six-week plants are in full flower and are showing prodigious resin production. I remove the top layer of soil from each pot, but I'm concerned. Is this grow fubar, which I believe is a fucked up beyond all recognition? Or is there a way to save it? What do you think? All right. Well, I think you're slightly misdiagnosing uh, what you have because mold, uh, bud rot and mold on plants is different from the algae, which is what I believe you have growing. Um, Basically, when light meets water, algae forms. Uh, So that's going to divert some of the nutrients from their intended usage, and it's going to cause that sort of slimy, ugly, you know, green buildup that you're seeing on top of your soil. Um, my suggestions to you, uh, well, A, your grow is not FUBAR unless the mold has spread to the plants, which algae doesn't really do that sort of thing, only uh, you know, fusarium and mold and bud rot and those sort of things. And that's more of an airborne kind of fungal thing than algae. Algae, like I said, is, is when light meets water. So if, it's, if you uh, cover that top layer of your soil with some type of opaque material, a lot of people use uh, white plastic, um, You want to also potentially avoid watering that top inch or so of your soil by watering the plant from below. Um, You can let it sit for a short time in nutrient solution, and the roots will basically uptake what they need. Um, That leaves that first top few inches of soil, uh, which doesn't have a lot of roots. uh, So, you know, it keeps it from being overly moist. Uh, and that's what encourages the growth of mold and even also pests like fungus gnats. They love that like top layer where there's not really a lot of roots. But if you water from above, it stays wet for a long time up there. And it just provides a perfect home uh, for fungus gnats and their, their larvae. And it also, um, you know, it also promotes growth of algae on that you know, upper surface of your soil and also from the drainage holes of the pots. So cover those places. Don't let light reach those moist areas and you won't have problems with algae. All right. Thank you, Axe. And uh, thank you for improving all of our vocabularies. Let's move on to Christy. Uh, Christy writes, hey, guys, uh, hope you're having a ripper time in Amsterdam. So I guess that gives you a bit of a insight into the time frame of this question. I'm hoping you can help me. My brother was recently badly burnt in a workplace accident. Hospitals and doctors have loaded him up with some really hardcore painkillers, and I'm worried. Uh, I'm only new to the world of weed, and have just started my first ever grow with two plants, strawberry cough and um, OG Kush so far. But now my attention is on what plant I can grow to help my brother. 
Something that helps with muscle spasms and nerve pain is what I'm after. Can you point me in the right direction? Uh, we are coming into the summer here, so we will be able to do an outdoor soil grow. Uh, what do you think? How can we help Christy here with her brother? All right. Well, I actually, uh, I actually talked to a friend. Um, it seems to me that indica strains are probably uh, going to work best because of the effects on the body. Um, but a few re- years ago, our friend Rudy Reyes, who is also a burn survivor, brought a group of burn survivors to the High Times office. And uh, basically, it turned out to be a very important experience for me. It's also the time that I learned to call them uh, burn survivors instead of burn victims. Um, very, very interesting. And their recollection, their recollections of what happened to them and their um, support for medical marijuana really sort of solidified my commitment to making sure anyone who wants access to pot can get it. Because, I mean, if anybody needs you know, medicine, it's burn survivors. Um, so I asked Rudy, what strains work best? And this was his response. Okay, this is a quote from Rudy. Um, Danny, smoking indicas does work best in regards to burns. Uh, I myself am an OG Kush specialist. I found that it helps with the pain and uh, works well as an antidepressant as well. Uh, I found that sativas work best as topicals and help to relax the body's nerve damage. But for the head, it's all indicas. I've come to learn that a mixture of both actually keeps the simple balance needed to stay on the path to healing. I hope this advice helps others, and thank you, Dan, for the chance to spread this knowledge. So um, that's coming from someone who actually is a burn survivor. So he's saying that he prefers to smoke indicas and use sativas as topicals, which you know you would just spread onto the affected skin area. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's the deal with... Uh, you know strains for for burn survivors all right well uh we hope that helps you out christy and uh let us know how that progresses and and um, best to your brother yeah best to your brother and uh, just keep us posted on that thanks for writing from australia uh that does it for uh for these questions if you have a question that you would like dan to answer on the show you could reach us uh freeweed at hightimes.com or on twitter he is at danny danko i am at mike hughes underscore What do you say you and I take a little break, come back and put a bow on it? Sounds great. Hey, you guys, if you have an idea for a company or a company that you have or something like that and you want to advertise on this show, uh, it's probably a lot more affordable than you might think. And uh, you're going to reach thousands of people who are very interested in marijuana growing Uh, and marijuana culture so if you have something like that an idea or a company or something that you want to advertise on this show just contact uh john at hightimes.com send him an email tell him you want to uh you want to ask about rates uh advertising rates for the free weed show and uh he'll take care of you and like i said it's probably a lot more affordable than you might think so send an email to john at hightimes.com Made it through. 73. We did it. That was Freeweed episode number 73. That felt like heavy lifting. I feel like I'm out of of freeweed shape. It's like when you're sore after you haven't worked out or something. Right? Yeah. I'm feeling it in my quads. Took a lot lot out of me. I'm... uh, Yeah. The best thing about it is we, we recorded this show over the course of like seven days. It's like we did like a word a day. Right. Yeah. I say we wrap it up with Raw. Yes, that's how okay. we wrap it up here at Free Weed. Yeah, hey, uh, like we said at the beginning, we're also still sorry at the end. Uh, apologies 
I hope we're, I hope they're accepted. I hope you guys still love us. And let us um, apologize in advance for this episode. Yeah, man. Yeah, actually, sorry. Right, and then you know we have uh, some very special guests coming on the next episode. Uh, but uh, thank you, as always, to Jacques and Winstrong. Thank you to Adam Dunn uh, from the Adam Dunn Show. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, uh, BC Northern Lights and Vaporizer USA. And uh, yeah, I think that's episode number 73. I say we uh, go get some green tea and uh, put this one in the <laughs> Gotta books. rest up. All right. Well, uh, thanks for sticking with us. And we'll be back uh, next time with High Times Presents. Free weed from Danny Danko. As always, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Google Plus, uh, Hulu, uh, MySpace. You old so and so. I'm bringing that back. You old so and so. That's like, <clears throat> that's going to be your thing? Just calling people that. Ham and Eggers. <laughs>